going on, everyone? Wesley Shoemaker joined by Aaron Parker back with you on another episode of the BlueGoldSports.com podcast. Today, we're going to be going into detail about the big day uh, that was last week in the men's basketball world, as well as talking a little bit about spring football, West Virginia spring football, and kind of just getting going with that. Um, Aaron, happy Wednesday. How are you doing today? I'm good. How about yourself, Wes? I'm, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, it's a nice day out, weather cleared up. So good day to be outside for sure. Um, let's start here. Uh, West Virginia got killed by Kansas. Um, nothing really to talk about there. But then in the next week, we saw a lot of program changing moves that happened. You saw two starters and Jalen Bridges, the hometown kid and Isaiah Cottrell Isaiah leave. And so just start with me there, Aaron. What do you think is your assessment of what this means going forward and just to what you thought of those two guys leaving? Well, my thoughts are it's, you know, it's tough times right now for WV basketball. I don't think the program's in very good shape. With that being said, We've seen WVU, you know, kind of go down a little bit in basketball, and it seemed like it would be an, a multi-year rebuild. Rebuild, <clears throat> and Hugs turned it around. So, that, you know, that that could happen with this team. I just the hometown kid leaving. If you would have told me that midway through the season, I would have told you you're crazy. But towards the end of the season, I heard some things. And I, I, you know, I knew not to rule it rule it off. And then Cottrell, um, he had a he had a bad year. Showed some signs towards the uh, towards the end of the season of life, but it takes a long time to recover from an Achilles injury. And I don't know. I, you know, it's going to be a big year as far as the transfer portal goes. I mean, it's the biggest it's ever been. And Hugs is going to have to give it another try. And he's going to have to do a, a whole heck of a lot better than what he did last year. Yeah, going, going to JB first. One, first off, I'll say this about both of them. I wish them both the best. I think – they both deserve a shot and they both deserve an opportunity to prove themselves. I think Jalen has proved himself at this level more than Isaiah, obviously, but I do think Isaiah is very talented and will be productive where he goes just because of his size and his skill set. But that being said, Jalen last year after that TCU game where he scored over 20 points, I think kind of just willed West Virginia to a victory. He said, this means more to him because he grew up watching West Virginia basketball and he wants to do it for the state. And I just feel, although things change, there's a loyalty that lies within you if you're from this state and if you put on the golden blue and if you, like you see it with Dante Stills right now, he came back for his, his last year and Neil said in his press conference, he said, one of the reasons I think Dante wanted to come back is because he was disappointed and wants to represent the state. So I just feel like Jalen said he wanted to represent the state. And then now he's obviously out the door. Jalen kind of caught me a little off guard. I just feel like it was his team next year if he wanted it. Um, obviously, Taz is gone. Sean might be gone. We don't know on his status coming back yet. But this was going to be Jalen's team. He started every single game this year. He started every single game from the midway point on after Oscar left last season. And I just feel that if he wanted it to be his team, it was going to be his. So there's probably something that we just don't know about that 
was the reason for Jalen leaving. Now as for Isaiah, um, Isaiah, I think was a little bit tired of hearing all the BS and all the, all the words out of fans' mouth. And I think that he struggled and I think a change of scenery for a guy like him will be good. I think him being able to shoot. And then if you can find someone that can, I think he's a four. And if he can go play the four, he'll be really successful and he could play at the next level possibly. Yeah, I agree with that. My thing with, with Jalen, you knew, I mean, JB was, was my guy throughout the season. He was my pick to, uh, to break out and during out every game, but break out. Yeah. every game I picked him to go out and score double digits. My thing with JB was, you know, he's, what is he? Six, eight, six, seven. He's got a shot. We, you know, he's proven that he can shoot the ball. His saying is he doesn't take anybody off the dribble. Um, and I'm not saying he can't maybe a change, change of scenery is good for that, but this was the year where he was supposed to step up. And I knew at the beginning of the season, it's like, okay, he's not really taking guys off the dribble, which, that didn't surprise me because he kind of he did a lot of shooting um, from beyond the arc in the year before. But I thought somewhere along the line he would, you know, start being more aggressive, start attacking the basket, go left, you know, get around people. And he just – he did not do that this year. But I think the talent's there and maybe a change of scenery is good for him. But like you said, it's more shocking when the hometown kid does that and Cottrell, yeah. Um, I think I think Cottrell should go somewhere like – I don't know, mid-major or upper mid-major, like a proven mid-major school. I, and I, what I've been seeing, though, he's been getting power five looks. And so is yeah, JB. Uh, JB. I feel like JB, everything I see is like like Michigan State, Pitt, Oil, Chicago. Um, I think he would fit well at Oil, Chicago, or under Izzo at Michigan State. Um, Cottrell, I don't know, maybe. Imagine having those two college coaches, Bob Huggins and Tom Izzo. Yeah. I feel like. yeah, well, that's what Aaron Harris did. Aaron Harris transferred from West Virginia and – he, he had a great career at Michigan State in the back end of his uh, college career. Going back to you said how this was supposed to be JB's year. I remember it was summer, last summer and into the fall. He kept putting on social media, league year, league year, league year. Like this is his time to break out and he can do something and get on NBA scouts' radar. He, he didn't do that. And maybe that's the reason why maybe his struggles were – okay, I want to get out of Morgantown because I'm just, I'm not fitting in here like I need to if I want to take that next step. And obviously if your goal is to go play in the NBA, I think Huggins' system is not for NBA guys. I think it's for guys who I agree with that. do things that the NBA doesn't prioritize, such as defense and rebounding. Obviously if you're a big man, that's one thing, but the NBA is now a scoring league and Huggins' Huggins philosophy isn't about scoring the ball at an elite clip. I agree with you completely. With that that was just the ironic thing about that is the kind of intangibles, not really intangibles, but the stuff that Hugs' system provides is rebounding and defense, and this team didn't have either one of those. And that's why this team wasn't good this year. But you're right. I mean, Huggins' teams are about priority, prioritizing defense and offensive rebounds, defensive rebounds. Um, you get a guy like Deuce McBride that made the NBA and Javon Carter who kind of like worked his way. But you're right. I mean, it's it's not a system fit. For NBA players, yeah, my thing with Jalen, have those guys that are super talented like Deuce and like yeah. Javon. Deuce was Deuce was a crazy talent, and Javon was good enough, and he he worked and he played four years with accolades. My thing with Jalen is just he can't, not that he can't, but he did not take anybody off the dribble this year. Um, he struggled shooting the ball a little bit, but I know the shots there, so I'm not criticizing that. But if he wants to turn into like an NBA type wing player 
at some point you're gonna have to take somebody to the cup uh, just every now and then too because the scouting report this year for him was just don't let him stand outside and shoot and teams didn't let him do that so he didn't score much I think Jalen Jalen succeeded this year when he had wide open shots but as you saw so many guys on this team what they failed to do was create their own shot and so if Jalen can learn how to create his own shot a little bit better, he doesn't even have to do it all the time. Last year when he broke out, kind of Deuce McBride and Taz Sherman were facilitating to where he was kind of like open on that yeah. left and right wing spot. He didn't have – he had Taz, but, you know, Taz couldn't do everything. He didn't have that – and WVU didn't have a true one this year. So, you know, he didn't have anybody facilitating all the time to where guys are swarming on Deuce McBride. So, boom, Jalen's wide open. He didn't have that this year. Going back to um, moves that were made that day, um, Kedrian Johnson, Kedi, he announced he will be using his final year of uh, eligibility coming back to school in Morgantown. Obviously, no word from Sean McNeil yet. One thing that kind of struck my eye, caught my eye when Kedi announced his return was he used the word loyalty. And I'm not sure if he was calling out JB and Isaiah or I'm not sure what he was. his goal was there. He was trying to just kind of be a little sneaky with a play of words there. But I think that idea of loyalty is a big deal. And seeing Keedy come back is a good sign for this West Virginia team who really doesn't have a ton of experience coming back, and Keedy will provide that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he's going to have to step up and make some more shots. I know that's not exactly his game, but – Unless unless the Mountaineers get way better in the portal, he's gonna have to take you have to take a big step in in um, his what fifth or sixth year in college. Um, as far as using the word loyalty, I don't I don't know if he's trying to call it anybody, and I'm not trying to be controversial here, but it's it's pretty obvious that loyalty in collegiate sports is just not there anymore, and it's very frustrating if you are a longtime supporter of WVU because. This is the team. This is the state's team. There's no professional teams, as everybody says, but it's true. And then when guys leave left and right, there's just the world. It's different with the scenarios now with NIL and all that. Um, but I do like that Kitty used the word loyalty because we haven't seen much of that. Even and if you flip it to football, it's it's twice, three times as bad as the basketball situation. Yeah, as far as I think we, could, we could definitely get into a whole NIL conversation for a different day um yeah. that and then just the, even the stuff that's come out today with adidas and then how that relates to kansas going forward like that's just a whole other realm and a whole other world that i don't want to get into today but we will at some point go but going back to Keedy now huggins obviously i think let's i'll put it this way huggins last year lost in the portal and i think his goal is to win in the portal obviously there are a ton of guys in the portal, but there's also a lot of competition for these guys. Um, but you've already started seeing some of the guys he's looked at reportedly. Um, guys that can rebound is that's a big priority. And just reading different people, different reports about what these coaches are saying, They're, they want a, they want to find guys on the inside they can throw it to, then that can rebound. They want to find the Derek Culvers of the world, the Oscars of the world. Um, and they're and they're going to search hard until they can find a guy that they want to that they want to bring on. So, is are they going to find that? I hope. I mean, I think they they'll find some sort some some version of that. Will it be the best player in the world? I don't know yet. Uh, you just don't know who they're going to get 
and whatnot. As for on offense, I think you've got to go get a guy who can be a true point guard. Um, you you haven't had that since Deuce. Kitty, I think, is going to be better as a, as a two, kind of like a Daxter Miles, if that makes sense. Um, but if you can if you can get a true point guard in here, I think this team is a lot better. Yeah, and to your point on on inside guys, I think Hugs needs to really establish, you know, the culture of WB basketball again. Just like you know, they're known for rebounding, offensive rebounding. They're gonna if there's a loose ball, they're gonna dive on the floor. I didn't feel like that was this team at all. I feel like it's so far away from the press Virginia teams. I'm not saying you have to bring back press Virginia. But I feel like the identity is so much different than what it was just three or four years ago. So I think Hugs needs to reestablish that. Um, get some, you got to get somebody that can score a little bit. I'm not saying you got to, you got to get Derek Culver who can go left on you and score 25 just like that. But like average eight points a game. Yeah, but well, somebody who can make a layup. Just how about we start with that? Just somebody who can go out there if they have three contested layups, maybe make two of them. Like WVU, if they had a contested layup, it was out about every single time. So you got to go five, nine guard Malik Curry going in there. You seem to make Yeah, it. unless it's Curry. Curry gets a charity stripe. Um, and then, yeah, point guard, you're right. You know, I think Kobe Johnson's going to have a good sophomore year. Um, I think he turned it over like nine times this year, but he had nine steals too. So, like, he kind of, like, canceled that out. But, you know, I don't know. It was hard for him to get, a, get looks at, you know, shots this past year. So, I think it might take him half a season to – really step in and be that kind of shooter he wants to be. But, yeah, Hugs has to get a, a transfer. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I think this summer is going to be really important, especially for those sophomore – that sophomore group um, that's going to be a sophomores next year. Uh, summer's going to be important. Hugs has said that they're – like, I think Seth Wilson's going to play next year. I think he's going to get – Oh, yeah, series. absolutely. I think Kobe Johnson's going to play next year. I think Jamel King. I think James. I think they're going to play next year. But – are they going to be effective? That's the only thing. And I think I think Huggins is starting to realize that his days are numbered here and that if he wants to win, it's it's almost do or die time. And he's seeing guys like Coach K, um, who's retiring after the tournament, like Jim Beheim, who in the next few years, possibly after his, his kids leave, will probably be hanging it up. So Jim Calhoun already hung it up. Roy Williams already hung it up. So he's seeing his group of guys that he's – been around in his his fraternity of coaches you if you you could say they're starting to leave and I think it's starting to hit him that I've been to one final four at West Virginia nothing I want to do nothing more in my life than bring a national championship to the state I've got to start doing something different and I think that change we're going to see a big time change this spring into summer is it you go get three insanely good portal guys or is it you see change from within or you hire someone I just don't know what it is but I feel like we will see some sort of change yeah and this you know it's pretty obvious hugs is, is rounding third if you will on his career um yeah I just I just kind of wonder if he'll bring in anybody on the staff to like a younger voice I'm not saying fire anybody but I would wonder if he could bring in a younger voice get somebody that can like you know actually like um chart shots and like look at shot percentage and, and this, that, and the other. Cause I feel like, you know, we got some older guys on our staff and they're, they're fine, but I don't know. It just hasn't been getting the job done lately. Obviously there's some problems. Everybody's transferring left and right. So I think something needs to be done and, you know, hugs will do whatever it takes because he cares so much about West Virginia. Um, but now that he's rounding third, I think he's got to give it one more full commitment 
you know, shot to it of reestablishing the culture because this year's team did not embody WV basketball, West Virginia at at all, in my opinion. I I think I think he I think he was hurt. If I had to guess, I think he was hurt by the performance of this team this year. And I think what hurt him the most is he thought he brought in guys that were going to perform, and those guys did not perform to the capability and what he thought they were capable of. And I think that hurt him on the court in the in the court. And I think he's going to use that to try and build the winner as soon as possible. And look, he knows he can do it. He's come like going back to those press Virginia days, they were within like the year, I think it was 2016, 2017, won the national championship. They played Villanova in sweet 16. West Virginia was leading Villanova with eight, like with eight minutes left and they lost to Villanova, but they were the closest to beating Villanova in that whole tournament. Was, against yeah. the in 2018, like they've been close so many times and they've also gotten to the tournament like last year as a three seed uh, against Stephen F. Austin's like they were build a winner. It's just, can they execute when it matters most in March? Yeah. He's, he's got to get a new era started, not just a one-year team like this past, like when Mountaineers brought in Deuce and Shibway and you still had Culver, you kind of thought that this is a big new era, but it turned out, you know, that time in the sun was like a year and a half or something like that. Um, but you think of like the Deshaun Butler, that was a true era of greatness. Press Virginia, true greatness of uh, era of greatness. So you're talking about four years there. Um, you know, 18, they were so close to beating Villanova. 16, they were right there with Gonzaga. I think, you know, got ripped off in that game. And in the Elite Eight was 11 seeded Xavier. So like they, they were right there for like a final four run. So, you know, I would like to see just one more of those in Huggins, you know, like the, the back end of his career of not just one year, a year and a half, in the sun of being good, an era, another era. And I don't know if that'll happen. It's going to be really, really hard with this new age, with the uh, you know NIL deals and all that. But it's possible, and you got a 900 win coach um, at the helm, so you can't ever count that out. One thing I don't agree with is that this notion that Huggins is not a good recruiter. I think he tries to recruit so hard, but it's also hard to get some of these top guys to come to West Virginia, but. If you look at it, the starting five West Virginia could have had this year could have been Deuce McBride, Oscar, Derek Culver, Taz Sherman, Teddy Allen. Like, you could have had one of the best starting fives possibly in school history, one of the best starting fives in the country, probably the first or second best starting. Like, if those five were here this year, this team is going to New Orleans in two weeks yep. for national championship. It's so weird. this notion that Huggins is not a good recruiter and doesn't get guys, I think is totally just outrageous because you can see who he's brought in in the past. And if they had just stayed and gelled and s- still been here, they all could still be playing. And this team would be dangerous as all can be. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he is a good recruiter. You just some people, some critics and and skeptic skeptics raise an eyebrow with with guys leaving. You know, Oscar was a big one, but there were some weird issues there. I, I don't know the whole story. First of all, and then like Teddy Allen, like we yeah, you're saying like WVU could have him, but like 
Teddy got in trouble a bunch of times. He, he got kicked off. Over and over I, don't, again. I don't think there's any scenario where Teddy yeah. lasted three or four years at West Virginia University. I don't think that one's a hug thing. But you also see Teddy Allen's bounced around everywhere he's gone. Yeah. So like, he's bounced all over God's green earth. That's, that's not a that's not an indictment on no, hugging. That's, that's not a hugging's problem. Shibway is a weird scenario, but yeah, I mean he. They're say, left when I think he. Yeah. Was, that was, yeah, the whole agent situation. There's, there's just yeah. The whole Hugs is not a good recruiter is absurd. Hugs is a different recruiter. Obviously, we know he doesn't. You know what did he say to, about Roy Williams? He's got what he wants because he knows how to win a certain way, and he's not going to change his ways of winning. But that can help you, and that can hurt you. And I think that this year that hurt him because he had a team that wasn't built to do what he use, usually does, and he just couldn't get them to do that. And instead of adapting, I think he tried to force them into doing what he wanted to do rather than him trying to change to what they were good at. And I think that you saw that with this team going 500 and on their schedule. Yeah. And it was a weird scenario with, with Shibway, just we, WVU had Culver too. And Culver was out playing him at the time. He was scoring more, um, you know, I, and like hugs does that where he, he's always complaining when the guys aren't in the gym enough. And he, he called Oscar out on that when he didn't get in the gym in the summer. I don't, you know, it was just that that's the kind of like stubbornness you see with hugs is if, if there's a little problem is, you know, all the guys aren't in the gym enough and, and maybe he's right. But um, that in today's age in 2022, these 18, 19 year olds that might drive off a couple of them, but that's the, that's the type of coach he is. He's hard nosed. Um, you know, he's going to make you work for it. Treadmill mentality. And that not everybody likes that. Let's pivot. Um, I think we've talked enough about basketball here. Uh, season's over, and with that is a new season in spring football. It's safe to say, and I think everyone around West Virginia football, the Big 12, if you if you know about West Virginia and football in general, this is Neil Brown's biggest year. I think he could really be on the hot seat this season if he doesn't get off to a good start. Um, and with that, we've had a few transfers this spring, including Josh Chandler Samito, which I think was a huge loss. Um, but I think they're, they're building to uh, come back from that. But going to football, um, what do what are you looking forward to besides the quarterback battle? What are you looking forward to the most this spring, Aaron? And you cannot say the quarterback situation. This spring, not just the season. You're talking this about like the spring year, practices. Yeah, oh, not the quarterback battle. Um, well, I want to see with all the transfers, how is the secondary even can you even throw out a secondary that can stop Big 12 receivers? In in Neil's press conference yesterday, he was asked about well, I think he said that they're planning on going out and getting two more guys in the secondary. So I think don't be surprised when WVU gets a couple guys at the cornerback safety position in the portal. I am interested to see where they will be coming from and um, what's their you know track record. Are they good enough? Um, he was also asked about Nick Troy Fortune. He said it didn't change many things. And, and Neil, he kind of just got to the point. He's like, we're going to focus on the ones that are here. I think he's getting tired of all the people transferring out, but I don't know. Um, and then the linebacker position too. Linebacker position was kind of, if he last year, except for Samito, um, well, Chandler Samito, that is, um, he had a very stable, solid season last year. But guys like Lance Dixon and um, Jared Bartlett, um, Neil said Jared Bartlett added a lot of weight. Bartlett's got to be more consistent. He was so good against Virginia Tech, but sometimes he went absent. So just, just the linebacker play. 
Hey, go real quick before I get into mine. Linebacker play, Leek Bogba. Um, yeah. Everybody's high on him. Everyone's been high on him. Obviously, had that D1 experience at Syracuse, then went to uh, community college. I think he's he's going to make an impact year one, and I think he's going to step into the role of possibly a JCS and fill that middle linebacker role. As for me, I'm looking to see how this offensive line changes. Um, I feel like Graham Harrell's offense, they're going to throw the ball a little bit more, and they're going to be a little – they're going to spread it out a little bit more, but they're also going to have to run the ball, and I want to see this offensive line not only protect whoever's going to be uh, behind them, but I want to see them be better in the run blocking. I think at times – they they tried to run it with Letty and they just they couldn't they couldn't find gaps. I know Neil said we want to be able to run it against the best of defenses, and we all know that starts with the offensive line. I think there they have the the guys up there. I think you want to get more depth. Obviously, offensive line depth is never a bad thing, but if they can figure out that offensive line situation, and then they have a plethora of running backs. Like that running back room is deep. Um, They've got guys that can run, and they've got horses in there. And if if they can if they can use those guys wisely and get fresh legs back there at all times, I think you can kind of create some some sort of dynamic offense. Um, but it also matters who's throwing the ball. And um, a question I'll ask you about quarterbacks, and we'll 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 come back to this question throughout spring until uh, September first uh, against Pitt. Who do you think is going to be taking the first snap of the season at Heinz Field against Pitt on Thursday night? I'll ask you this first. Do you think it's one of the three quarterbacks or do you think it's someone not at the program right now? And if you think it's one of the three quarterbacks, which one would you put your money on right now? I think there's been, there's always talks about WVU having interest in guys, but I think it's going to be one of the three in house. Um, you know, Garrett Green's been here for what? This is his third year on campus. They like Goose Crowder and then Nico Marcio. Oh, fourth. Third year on campus, though. Is, is it his third, too? I, I think it stays in house with the three guys there. Um, I think September 1 is going to be Nico Marcio. Um, four star pro style, can run if he needs to, got a good arm, lefty. Um, if he's not winning the quarterback battle, I don't know. I like Garrett Green just like in the coaches' lunch, and Neil talked about him and said he has an alpha mentality, quote unquote. Um, he's a great leader and he's a great voice. But you know, we've seen a good bit from him, and just some of the decision making, some of the throws he makes, just eh, it's a little iffy. Um, if Nico goes out there and struggles game one. I'd be interested to see. He'll probably if Nico goes out there and in two or three series struggles, then he'll we'll probably see Garrett Green. That's how I think it's going to go. But obviously, Nico's got to beat out the other two in spring ball, and that you know maybe maybe Goose Crowder steps up and beats everybody. I don't know. I just think it's going to be Nico Markiel. Um, I've seen too many good tapes of him, and you know I've got my belief in him right now. I think I agree with you. I think it's going to be someone in the program. I don't think it's going to be Nico. I think. I think you've got to, like, Garrett Green is the most playing experience. Goose Crowder, I think, is the most talented plus experience. He is, oh, I, I, looked at, I looked it up, Aaron. Goose enrolled um, at WVU in January of 2021, so this is going to be his second season in the program. Um, I just think 
from what I've heard from different people around the program off the record, what I've heard is that like Goose can throw and he can run. And I'm not sure that Garrett Green can throw as well as they want him to. Obviously, Garrett Green could have taken a step forward. Uh, we just don't know. But if I had to pick someone, I think it's going to be Will Goose, Goose Crowder starting under center. And does Nico transfer if he doesn't get the starting spot? I don't know. I think that's to be determined. But I think it's going to come down to either Nico or Goose. And I think whoever – I think whoever's not the top two leaves the program before. I agree with that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I've been thinking about that for a while. If, if they're number three, I think whoever's number three leaves. Um, and I also think that Garrett Green brings something on the ground that the other two don't bring, but I think you can bring them along. It's easier to start with someone who can throw, I think, than have someone who's a better runner. And I think Garrett Green's a better runner than thrower compared to Nico and, and Crowder. But, I, it's, I mean, it's just to be determined. Like, Neil's not going to tell us anything. We're just going to have to look from afar, hear what everyone's saying. And I'm going to be interested to see kind of what Graham says, like Graham talks tomorrow. So for everyone wondering, it's one, it's Wednesday afternoon right now. Um, I think Graham is scheduled to talk to the media um, tomorrow on Thursday. Uh, we'll hear certain players on Saturday. So just kind of tracking what they say, I think will be big. Obviously they might drop hints here or there and then tracking reps. I, I feel like spring game will be big seeing reps there and just seeing who goes first. I mean, Obviously, Neil said that they're going to kind of rotate who goes first, so it's uh, so they all try and get even reps. Um, but as the spring goes along, I think the quarterback position is one where people within a locker room kind of gravitate towards a certain guy who they like more as a leader, who they think is best. And I think coaches will listen to that in, in some sense and see who's who's a good leader, who do we trust to lead this offense. And who fits that offense the best? I mean, if they're going to run the ball, you have more flexibility at quarterback. But I feel like Graham Harrell wants to throw the ball a little bit more. And for a team that didn't really have an offensive identity last year, it starts with the quarterback, and you've got to have a good quarterback. Yeah, and that's part of the reason I think it'll be Nico, just because, like, this past couple of years, Daigie, just been, eh, just, eh. Um, you got Graham Harrell in, trying to usher in, not necessarily a new era because it's still Neil Brown, but like a new identity and to, to give it to a recruit like Nico Marco. I mean, that guy, that guy's got a lot of good tape and just like, I think Pitt's doing the same thing. I mean, they've had Herbert, Herbert's been there since like 2010. So he's moved on and they need to usher in a new era. And then they give it, give off to a Keon Slovis who, who can throw the ball. And we've seen that Nico can throw the ball. What? Now Pitt. Yeah, now he's now he's at Pitt, and they're gonna usher usher that in. I just I don't see it being Garrett Green's offense. Um, I know he's got he's got that good mentality and all, but he's been here for a couple of years. It's not all been his fault when he goes out there and the offense doesn't get anything going. But he doesn't make all the throws. I just I I don't see Garrett Green like having control of the offense. That's what I see. As far as Goose Crowder, they only told us how good he was in those Friday Night Light scrimmages. There's just not much on him. He played a little bit against LIU, but it very well could be him. I just don't know much about him as far as reps and all that. What I hope happens is I just hope one of them runs away with it. And, 
and it's not August 15th and they pick a starter and then you're split on should you have picked this guy yeah. or that guy? I hope – And then somebody transfers, yeah. I don't want that either. I hope it's not messy to the point where it's confusing. I hope it's a here's a clear-cut number one and number two. The number one is way better than the number two, and then there's a gap between two and three. These are our two guys. The other guy, you can leave or you can, like, you can do what you want, but these are our two guys. We're going to run with them. But what I don't want is I don't want it to – I hope it's not a – Oh, Nico's kind of good. He does these things good, but Goose does the other things good. Oh, but then there's Gary. Like, I want one guy to step up and separate him from the rest of them. And I hope that happens because that's what you need at the quarterback position. Yeah, absolutely. I just – I could see it happen. I really hope it doesn't. It's like, okay, oh, if, if it's not a clear-cut favorite, then everybody wants to see Nico. So maybe they throw out Nico for the first couple of possessions. If he goes out there and gets killed – than Garrett Green. That would be a messy offense. That would be something – I know Daigie got most of the snaps last year, but you're, you'd be looking at the same thing, five, six wins. Um, you're not going to get it done that way. So, yeah, uh, if you're WVU, if you're Neil Brown, you got to got to try to walk in on a, on a clear-cut favorite. Um, I also hope you know, that they're not scared to go out and lose these guys to the transfer portal. I hope they're not scared to say, all right, you guys aren't good enough right now. We're going to go get someone else and bring him in here to play. And I hope they're not scared to think that if we bring in some random quarterback, not going to name names and start speculation. If we bring in some random quarterback and he takes the job, but we don't want them to transfer. If you're going to bring in someone, you've got to be okay with one or two of those guys transferring. And if you're trying to win, feelings don't matter. And you've got to do everything you can to win. And I, it starts with the quarterback position. It's the most important position in sports. It's the most important position in football. And if you don't have a good quarterback, you can see what happens with your team. And unfortunately, since 2019, when Neil Brown got here, they have not had a good quarterback. And that's been the biggest, I think, knock on Neil Brown is his offense. And it starts with the quarterback position. And you've got to go get one if none of the guys fit what you need them to do. Yep, somebody's got to separate themselves. And, you know, if you're a WV fan, you hope it's it's somebody who can separate themselves, make them the clear-cut number one, and then go out and compete um, against the Big 12, Big 12 defenses. You hired Graham Harrell for a reason, and he can he can mold quarterbacks. We saw what he did with Mason Fine. Mason Fine barely saw over the offensive line. That dude was like 5'10". Goose Crowder's not big, but if Goose Crowder's making the throws and can do it, then Graham Harrell can probably mold him into a, a pretty good quarterback. But there's got to be a number one, and once there is a number one, if it's a clear cut, then I think Graham Harrell can kind of mold him. And I think it'll be interesting to see, but you can't have that messy that messy stuff again. you got to have a clear cut favorite, and those quarterbacks got to go out and battle because spring practice has just started. And it's if they don't want somebody to, to be brought in from the transfer portal out of nowhere – and they got to step up and take the job, you know. The, they These three quarterbacks have the power to either – they control their own destiny in a sense. If they go out there, show up, play hard, work hard, and play well this spring, you're getting the ball September 1st. If you struggle at times, if you're inconsistent, if you're not making all the throws, if you're making bad reads, if you're not reading plays correctly, um, you, you could be in trouble. And – I think this coaching staff is tired of waiting around. I think they know that it's up to them now and that time's ticking. 
um, on this Neil Brown era, if you want to say, and like it's it's now or never. Yep, it absolutely is. Um, after a six and seven season where you go out and score six points in a bowl game, yeah, uh, it's safe to say he's his job security is you know dependent on this year. Um, I said last year was his his year where he's got to do something big. Yeah, I guess I guess they don't see it the same way. But it, it also, you know, his buyout is ridiculously uh, large. It's a large sum of money. So it's not as easy as just, okay, well, let's fire him. I don't, think this, I don't think this university is scared of his buyout. I just think yeah. they know what football right. means. Yeah. Right, I just now, think that, yeah. right now, I don't think they are either. But they want to win. And if that means they go out after this season and have to go get a new coach, so be it. But yeah. Neil Brown, I, I, I'm a believer in Neil Brown. I think – this defense has proven that they can like he wanted he said he when he got here he started this thing with a defense because as we saw with Dana you can have his best offense in the in the world but if you can't stop anybody they're, you're going to get beat so i do like starting with the defense but there's there's enough waiting around where this offense has to get get it together and click i want to see a good quarterback you like you said there hasn't been a good quarterback in the neil brown era time's ticking um, I think I, I don't think the universities worry about buying out anymore. I think they didn't. They absolutely didn't want to do that last year. But this is another another season. If you go out and get beat at Pitt and at Virginia Tech, you're done. You're done. You've lost this whole fan base if you do that. And that's why this year's so important because you got two great opportunities there. Unfortunately, that makes for a really hard schedule at VT, at Pitt, and then boom, Big Twelve schedule. And then you get Townsend. That's your one easy game. So Neil's got a lot to prove, and if you, it's just going to be exciting if there if there's that clear cut number one quarterback because Jarrett Davey was pretty mediocre and Austin Kendall was pretty mediocre. So I'm interested to see if if Harold can if Harold and Neil can can make a good offense because you know the defense keeps losing guys on the secondary. At some point, you're going to have to outscore your opponent. I, I keep saying that by October first, we will know. Neil Brown's future with West Virginia because think about it. They got Pitt to open. Then I think it's Kansas at home. Then it's Towson at home, Virginia tech on the road, Texas on the road. Those like, if you go two and three over that stretch and your two wins are Kansas and Towson, you're probably done. If you go three and two and you split with Virginia tech and Pitt and lose on the road to Texas. All right. And if you go four and one, like, then, then this team's probably in the top 25, but I think Pitt is a bigger game than Virginia Tech. I think I just because you beat Virginia Tech last year and Virginia Tech has a new coach compared to Pitt, who just won the ACC. And you Pitt. Haven't, you haven't played in a decade. Um, it's a more storied rivalry. It's week one on a night. Like, that game's going to be on national television for the whole country to see. And there's going to be someone, a new quarterback, rolling out there for West Virginia, and they've got to have trust in that guy. And I think Neil knows that, and I think I think the pressure's on him, and I think he knows that. And I, I keep saying, by October 1st, once Texas dust settles in Austin on that on that day, like, we're going to know probably the future of Neil Brown. Yeah, I don't – yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird situation. But, yeah, I think you're right. Um, Two, two crazy games there with, with the rivalries and then Texas. I think another little wild card in there is 
Texas Tech, you know, Texas Tech is kind of on the level of WVU when it comes to Big 12 teams. And WVU has let them beat them around. I mean, WVU has not beat Texas Tech since 2018. Texas Matt Tech Wells won had like- a better year than West Virginia last year. And they fired their coach. Like Matt, well- Matt Wells won six Big 12 games, three against the Mountaineers. Half of his Big 12 wins were against WVU. So yeah, you can't let teams like that just push you around. And and, uh, and if you're gonna and if we're, if we're talking about scheduling, like you have Oklahoma at home with a new coach and Brett Venable, like if there's a year to beat Oklahoma, it's this year. You haven't done it since you joined the Big Twelve. You get them at home, like go beat Oklahoma, and then let's talk. You know, like it's there's a lot there's so much. Oh, this team can be this this team, but like go prove something to me. This they haven't proved anything. Like. Neil Brown's biggest win is probably beating Virginia Tech at home. Like, yeah, it absolutely is. Like, that's not that big of a win in the grand scheme of things when you play in the Big 12. Like, Texas last year, that was not a good win. Texas didn't make a bowl game. Like, Iowa State like, was another one. Like, yeah, this is like, it's like, okay, that's a good win. But I'm glad the year before you go to Iowa State and you get killed by 40. Like, there's just, I don't know. I just, you need consistency. This team's desperate for it. Go figure something out. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, this is, this is the year I said last year, I thought Neil needed to go eight and four last year. I was obviously wrong in my prediction, but this year's big time. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see because they can't just rely on like WV got an early win against Virginia Tech. Boom. Like sold out my own Puskar stadium, but they still had a bad year. Can't, can't win one game and be like, okay, that's, that's a good win. And then go out and get beat by Texas Tech. Virginia Tech, Texas. You were, you were down 24 to 3 at home against Texas Tech on homecoming weekend. Like, like that. Yep. It's just he knows. And I think I think he knows. And that's what I like. I think he realized that's why they went out and got Graham Harrell. That's yeah. that you had to not only make a hire to to give the play call to somebody else, but you gotta make a good hire. And um them hiring Graham Harrell, I think is good. And um, you know, Harold said in the coach's lunch that he doesn't see any, you know, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he doesn't see any way why they can't be successful year one. He was asked if it takes a couple of years to, to kind of get your program going and your offense going. He says, you know, why not be good year one? So they're going to have to be if, if Neil wants to keep his job. Um, I don't have anything else. Uh, you got anything else? I'm good. I've, I've said my piece. <laughs> So that will do it for today's podcast. Um, if you made it this far, we do appreciate you listening. I am Wesley Shoemaker, joined by Aaron Parker. This is the BlueGoldSports.com podcast.